Hello, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dave. I'm here with Linda, and we have, again, special uh, guest, Alyssa Lee, who is working with customers every day in AI and ML, and is kind of a sounding board that I've had personally for like, okay, what's hype, what's actually happening. And lately I've been talking a lot about generative AI. It's just come up in episodes and conversations. And you've been the person that has really helped me figure out what happens today and what do developers need to know. So thank you so much for coming back on the show and taking your time to uh, spend with us. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dave. Yeah, it's great to see you and Linda again. And thank you for having me on the show. Oh, you're welcome. So I'm going to put a link to one of our previous episodes, but for listeners that are just joining, and this is the first time that they're hearing from you, can you just do a quick background of your current role at AWS and what you're focusing on? Definitely. So my name's Alyssa Lee, as he said, and I'm currently a senior go-to-market specialist focused on customer success for AI and ML services. So I help with uh, different go-to-market type of motions to help get the messaging out for AI and ML services. And specifically for the customer success side, my goal is to help customers maximize the usage of these services and understand how it fits into their business. Uh, so with that, uh, generally, I'm right on the front line. I'm in conversations every day at Kenner's and Sam what they like about services, what they don't like, what they're looking forward to, their expectations, and then taking all that feedback back to our service teams. Love it. Since our last episode, you've been kind of taking to the road. You did a summit, I think, in Washington, D.C. You've been doing talks. Uh, you, you know, Can you talk a little bit about that and kind of the specialization and the topics around that? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, so the first one you mentioned, I was in D.C. earlier this year in July at the AWS D.C. Summit. Um, I spoke on DevOps culture. Uh, it's actually a, the same topic I spoke to at reInvent last year. Uh, DevOps is a space I'm very passionate about. It's just different ways to improve uh, developer operations within your business, um, just to make things more efficient. Um, and similarly, I'm actually speaking to a, another topic, this reInvent, also on DevOps, talking about how you can leverage ML and AI to achieve efficiency in your um, operations as well. So yeah, very cool space. And I think that more and more companies are open to different ways they can improve the DevOps. And I think we're seeing uh, a shift towards that more and more. Speaking of DevOps and like developer experience in general, you were mentioning how you um, are speaking a lot, you're, you're focused on developer experience. I have a question, Alyssa, because I love talking to you uh, about this topic. Like, how mm -hmm. How is the definition of developers in general evolving? Like in that go-to-market perspective, like what have you been seeing through all that, whether in person or in general? Yeah, great question. You know, this is a really, really cool time. We've been seeing so much very fast development in the market and specifically with generative AI. So I will say that uh, these days, our particular team and go-to-market, you know, we started off the year being very focused on developer experience with AI ML. And as we've kind of moved to the more services that are using generative AI, um, that's what we've been focused on too, in terms of how can generative AI improve the developer experience. And what we're finding is different facets of generative AI are 
making it easier and easier for developers to trigger outputs that they want to see uh, using more natural language. So the modality that we're seeing that uh, customers are able to use to get the output they want is becoming more and more natural. So rather than using like coding, like Java or JavaScript or to kind of start that recommendation, now we're just using text. So like we're seeing people just type in like, oh, I want something to do X, Y, Z, and then they'll get a suggestion. So it's an interesting time where we're seeing developers shift from you have to know coding background and have developer experience uh, to a new group of developers. Um, we'll say that it's could be anybody who just knows how to write a text prompt and just knows how to. So now English really is the coding language, right? Yeah. It's yeah. So English is the coding language. Um, so Alyssa, for anybody, you were alluding to this before, but for anybody who's listening who doesn't know um, like what the term modality is, how would you just explain it briefly? So modality is just the mode of communication, if you were to look up the definition. So when we talk about it in tech, it's just the way that you put the input into the service in order to get the output that you're looking for. So in our case, when you have services that are helping you develop apps, it's what is that input that you're putting in uh, to get the application or output or the coding output that you're looking for. I, I, I love that you explained to me because I was like before, prior to this episode, I was like hearing the words chat modality and for some reason it didn't sink to me, but just with the way you're inputting and I thought it was nice simple terms like you just, terms in tech just end up being like either the simple part or like something that you're not aware of. <laughs> like when someone is specific or something, um, there were moments I didn't understand what they meant. It's always interesting. I love when people ask me that stuff because there's terms I use that people don't know. And then there's terms I ask that I'm not as aware of. Or, you know, the terms that you read and then you have to say and they sound very different. <laughs> I don't know. That's a whole other. It's very bad. I was just saying for me, I try and go back to coming from the Alexa side, you know, from the early days, the first time I heard about modality in that side, we were looking at one was speech, you know, like how do human beings communicate? And it's super interesting because it's very different than like when you first think about it, the best way I could describe it is like we take so much for granted. So when you and I are talking, you know where you are. You know you're in New York, right? You know that it's rainy. You know what day of the week it is. You know it's like end of September, but a machine doesn't know that stuff, but that affects us as human beings. And that's part of a modality is the understanding of actually what's going on and how it interrelates to everything else. And then we communicate through all sorts of different things, visual, audio, emotion, sight, you know, all of those things that machines now are, are starting to bring together. And we just brought a lot of that together in Alexa of, uh, I remember this was so cool of when we allowed, if you whispered to Alexa, she would whisper back. So if you were in the, the baby's room and you're like, what's the weather tomorrow? And she'd be like, it's, you know, that's just something we do as human beings. Do you really? Thank you. Oh, that was my best hard. buddy because um, I live in a New York City apartment and my kids are sleeping half the time that I'm, you know, trying to do things. Yeah. <laughs> but teaching a machine that, right? That was intrinsic to us as human beings. And I think it's fascinating now, and I'm I'm super curious your your perspective, Alyssa, is 
the the modalities now of bringing all those things together. Hey, you know, I'm seeing this. Uh, there's this other part of just all the different ways that we interact with our reality that now generative AI can understand as well. Right. I think one piece that really excites me is that the simpler we make it to interact with these services and machines, if we will, to um, create what we want to create, what it's going to allow for is people that before wouldn't generally interact with these type of services now can. It's going to open up this whole new slew of creativity um, of folks that are like specifically in my field. So developing applications, you know, we're going to have people with all kinds of backgrounds that now can say, oh, I just want to create an app that can do this. And they just describe it the way they describe it in their natural language, what they're looking for. And if we continue to improve these modalities where it understands what they're looking for and it can interact back with them, like I always say, like, it'd be kind of cool if it's like interacting with you like a best friend, right? And it's kind of ping-ponging with you. That's a really cool direction to think about. So I think as we keep moving towards improving these modalities, improving ways that we can get input, we're going to see creativity in so many different ways. And um, I'll be interested to see if people start referring to themselves as developers or if it's just like everybody is a developer. Like, you know, I almost think I sometimes I compare this to like art where I always tell people they're like, oh, like I can only draw a stick figure. And I'm like, no, actually, like all, all of us are harnessing this creativity. And if like we all have the ability to actually draw if we just like sit and focus and it's just a matter of harnessing it. So I do think that there's going to just be new avenues for people to express creativity. Even if they don't label themselves as a developer, they're going to be able to develop. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating to even see like from even now, like some of the video content people are creating with their tools, like editors and creatives using AI tools that they just do via applications that exist. Um, and speaking of applications that exist, I know you're very involved with Code Whisper. Um, I would love to speak to you also about that, especially in your role in customer success and how um, and what you've been seeing uh, so far with that and other things. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Definitely. So in the scope of talking to customers, so the way I respond to them is, I mean, I do a lot of listening when I'm doing my customer calls to kind of hear what they're liking, what they're not what they're expecting and based just purely on what's out there in the market, because there's a lot of different generative AI tools now that are really embracing these new types of modalities we're speaking about mm -hmm. is the customers are now expecting to be able to, to develop this way, which is really interesting. So, you know, it wasn't that long ago where developers would expect to just like, oh yeah, if I want to develop an application, I'm writing code. Like I'm writing Java, I'm writing Python, and they would expect that. But now when I talk to customers, you know, it's there's this new level of expectation of what they should be able to input in order to get an output, which, you know, it's we as Amazon, you know, we've been responding in the sense of uh, like in terms of go to market, you know, we're kind of shifting our messaging to match that. We're working with the service teams to shift what features we want to focus on. Um, they're going to match more of those expectations. And um, it's fascinating to me how quickly that changed because that change, I would say, 
probably was in within the last, definitely this year. I mean, I mean, even within the last few months, I've really seen that shift where, um, you know, we want to do simpler ways to create apps versus just, you know, coding. But that kind of brings me to another topic I think is worth mentioning is there's also in parallel next to generative AI, we have these new technologies in the low code, no code space. Um, I know this was touched on like in a previous application or previous podcast where we spoke about low code application development and the concept being uh, folks that know little to no coding are able to create applications, whether that's through a very relatively simple UI that they can maybe drag and drop elements in, uh, that they can do minimal coding to get the output that they're looking for. Um, that's something that we um, that we're also pairing with generative AI, where it's like you can have this user-friendly interface that's relatively easy to create applications and then mixing it with that chat modality or whatever modality that's easier or some sort of generative AI. Um, that would be a really cool direction to kind of merge these technologies uh, to make application development ac like accessible to anybody, really. So low code, no code, that's a big shift we're seeing too. I would say that started actually a few years ago, um, but within the last year, we're seeing more and more developments in that space too. You see more like adoption in that space right now in, in low code, no code? I have, yes. So in the market, a lot of different companies are shifting towards that for uh, more like business use cases. So. Uh, we see a lot of internal types of uses for that. So maybe you have, usually it's some sort of like admin task or uh, like a time tracker, like a timesheet tracker or like a inventory tracker. But right. all these are um, internal apps to your business uh, to make anything within your business that you typically are pretty manual. It's just kind of help to either automate it or streamline that for you. So, just to, yeah, like to bring up an earlier point, like that you mentioned also the speed in which, I don't know, even from personal experience, you get used to these tools, like even the, the low code, the, the code whisperer, I don't know, as, as a person who came from like a web development angle and like development background and not like an expert in gen AI necessarily. Right. Um, and like just starting to use these tools, like I was using even last week a, a lot, like um, code whisperer within SageMaker studio and cool. I now yeah. like it's very weird for me to go to a Jupyter notebook suddenly and like not have like the code pop up like it's it's so <laughs> weird how like I just got used to it in a week and like now I'm expecting it my level of expectation is like having it there now it's like so odd not to have it there like why would I not have it in my Jupyter notebook you know um, exactly so it's it's really interesting how fast we got used to certain things like even for me with chat and chatbots, like I think I also I use them every day. Um, and I think many people do. And so um, very interesting how quick we also hop on habits, which is a whole other um, <laughs> type of dynamic we're seeing. Um, also, side note, um, Dave told me you have an entire illustration photography website. I'm sorry, I just had to mention that. <laughs> that is so cool because we were talking about applications and art and I know we just popped into that. Um, but I, I'm kind of curious, like even from like an artist standpoint, what your thoughts are. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And just to tap on that, I, I love photography. It's like a side passion of mine. I 
take nice pictures all the time. I'm always going through photos and editing them just for fun. And I love it. I personally, that's been a hobby of mine, my whole adult life. But to your question about uh, that on um, uh, for generative AI. So yeah, so that's a different pocket of it. I mean, what we were speaking to before is more developer productivity, uh, developer experience improvements. That's um, another area where, you know, you have the cr more creative side, like the uh, content generation, the, you know, we've been seeing all kinds of developments in that space too. I personally think that that is a space that it's the same thing. You're going to have people that are like, well, I'm not an artist. You know, I don't know how to draw. I draw stick figures. Um, it's going to open up a new way for them to input just via text or just describe what they're looking for. And again, with this increase of changing modalities, like they might be able to be like, well, I, I kind of want something like this. And they kind of fumble around with what they're looking for and it's responding to them and maybe changing what they're looking or what the output is based on what they're saying. So I think that it's going to be the same type of thing where you have this new set of creatives, these new ways that people can create ideas and concepts. Um, I think one big heavy area that that's going to really play into is going to be more like, um, you know, like concept, like I kind of imagine like architecture um, concepts or like storyline concepts and, and like maybe you have the nuts and bolts of it and then maybe you actually have like a actual architect than actually do the actual architecting <laughs> right but yeah. at least you have the basic idea of what you're looking for um and that's going to enable uh different folks of different skill sets to create that first framework so i think it's essential okay. for initial frameworks um i think it kind of leads into one area that is worth mentioning is i think people kind of get worried about the concept of yeah you know replacing jobs or replacing right that piece, but of. the truth of it is <laughs> yeah, like whenever you're in in any sort of space whether you're creating an application whether you're you know like i said my example of creating a building it's like you still need the actual expertise to to complete the loop of what it is in terms of to do it well i think it's really good right now for people to have the basic getting started, whatever it is for each of these things. So for example, if you are a non-technical person creating an app with one of these services, you will be able to create an app. Is it going to be as sophisticated and amazing as if you are an actual experienced developer? Probably not. But that's just because you don't know what to describe in order to create that. If you give this type of tool to a, a really seasoned developer, they'll be able to describe, well, I need to also add this code to make it do this because they know that's yeah. how that works. They have that background in that context. So, so in that's that respect, like yeah, like in that respect, yeah. like the developer today versus the future, what do you think of that? Like what is a developer today versus in the future in that, in that, in that kind of thought process? So the developer today, so there's two ways that I'll speak to this in the sense of I have a lot of faith in that all the technologies that we're building um, across the market, by the way, in this space for generative AI, that we're going to keep continually making it easier and easier um, via these different modalities to create the output that we want. 
which means the easier it gets, the more the less skills you need to have in order to actually create it. You just need to know how to describe what you're looking for. And what that's going to actually allow is um, kind of hand in hand is that I think we're going to get a lot of cross-pollination where you have these skill sets of different worlds kind of mixing now because um, everybody can access, access the basics of each of them at the very least. And then you can have experts of both sides kind of help refine what you're looking for, if that makes sense. I don't know if I yeah, describe that well. No, I thought yeah, that's how I, you would say it. <laughs> and you have me thinking about the episode we did with Rodrigo from OutSystems and Victoria. And it got me thinking. I've been thinking a lot about this. In it's so interesting in in from and this is just a Dave thing. This isn't an Amazon thing. But how I see this is the longer you do something, your craft, the more you actually understand the way to think about the problems and the way to think about the solutions. And then there's the actual work to get things done. And you can't walk in, like I couldn't just walk in to a construction site and put a house together. Right. Yeah. I'd be learning every different thing. But if I was a builder for 30 years, I would know what I need and I just need a team to help enable that. And I think it's super important for people to realize that you can still write. I, I can still I could see this. Maybe this is a blog post in like 10 years is someone writes this new framework that's amazing. And it's a human being. And AI didn't do it. And they did it because it was a problem they needed to solve. None of that's going away. But the, you know, instead of doing file new project, it's you kind of know what you need to know and you're able to ask in the right way and encourage that. And in that sense, it amplifies your ability to actually write code. And then you can take pieces of that code and say, this isn't how I would do it, or this actually doesn't fit our company's model. And it allows anyone to kind of be that senior developer that's looking at all of the code. What came up in that episode, and I would love to get your take on this too, Alyssa, is if I'm just starting out, how do I get there? How do I know what to ask? How do I know what's good code? And I think maybe patterns and practices and the entire craft of writing software becomes more important in the future because that's how you're actually asking, right? And I'd love to get your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, first I want to say, you say a blog 10 years from now, I would, I would argue maybe three months from now, six months from now. Um, oh, I know. It's crazy how fast this is. Yeah, we're moving very fast. <laughs> um, but to answer your question, I do believe that and this goes with any sort of major shift in technologies or developments. Like we've seen this time and time again, um, kind of just throughout history when we introduce a new revolutionary technology because AIML is extremely revolutionary where it's changing so many things about the way we live and how we're going to interact with technologies and services. But the job of, well, how does someone know what to write? I mean, we're seeing different right. jobs pop up now, like prompt engineers, things like that. Like there is an art form to it to actually write the correct thing to get the output you're looking for. So we are, we are aware of that. And I think that um, kind of twofold, there's two, two ways this can happen is 
as our services become more sophisticated, um, a we should be able to have someone insert very, you know, like simple chat, like, hey, I'm looking for, I think I want it to do something like this. Like we should be able to get to a point where we can say something like that. And it's going to be able to give you some pretty accurate suggestions. And not only that, but I want to highlight, like, if we're going to be talking about something like Code Whisper or something, you're going to be getting suggestions that are already vetted as, like, they're already recommendations that are based on best qualities. They're already secure. They're already, yeah. you know, they have any sort of reference to the license they were using or the code they found. So they're going to already be giving you good recommendations that you can use. Um, and I think that as we get more refined in that, you will be able to kind of fumble around what you're asking for, which means a very junior developer will be able to do that. And I don't think we're that far away from there. I mean, even today, we keep refining that with the ability of what people are asking and what it's going to be able to output. And that's kind of across, you know, different languages and um, spaces like that too. So it's fascinating. I, I just keep thinking and going back to like how long it took. So, sorry, when, when we were talking about this example of like you were saying months and you were saying years and um, the concept <laughs> yeah. of how fast innovation is happening. I don't, I think it's like, it has always been existent, this evolution, just it's like 10 X the speed because of Gen AI. And what I mean by that is, so I, I don't know if you know, but like my, my journey into tech was untraditional. I joined tech at a time that there were frameworks and ability to learn something in a boot camp in three months where years before, I think upskilling into tech would take a lot longer. Now, do I, did I know the fundamentals behind it? No. Did I need to know some of it? Yes. Did I have to do some due diligence to get there? Yes. And I kind of look at it as an analogy to even with AI, you were saying um, the builder who needs to build, you know, somebody who's built houses before is coming to build a house, right? Or anything like that. That knowledge might be less time to get, right? From a 30 year career, because you may not even know all of it, but there will be some fundamentals that you need to understand. And like, Alyssa, I, I like that you were bringing up like the prompt to drink. Sorry, this is just like a um, yeah, uh, observation. Cause like, I'm, I'm, I feel like, even getting into tech for me was because of certain innovations in the industry where everything was abstracted. And I didn't, you know, we went from like once upon a time binary, you know, to like punching cards to like, and so many things like evolved and so many frameworks abstracted things to make it easier to build. And then you had languages like JavaScript who, which could do backend and front end and all these things in one language and made things so much easier to then make things in the real world from a product standpoint so much more innovative and just would not be the case. So like just the level of innovation that we're going to see maybe in the, the, the speed in which we'll be able to have more intuitive applications is just interesting. So anyway, sorry, that was a bit of a rant, but very, like I, I, I love what was said, very, very fascinating times <laughs> to say the least. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because my AI ML has always been a fast space. I mean, I guess to give you guys a little bit of history, I, yeah, I've been somewhat involved with it in one way or another for about four years now in the sense of either I was taking classes in it or I was working in it. And uh, I've always seen it as a very fast moving industry, but this past year's, it's been, every day is changing. And as someone who has to track what's happening in the market, Every week there's something new. It seems like it's, I'm not shocked when every day something there's new. 
and <laughs> it's exciting. It's, it's just a lot to keep up with. And it's just, it's a very quickly iterative service where it just keeps improving and it just keeps getting better and better, faster and faster. So I need an AI tool that will help me I know. We really do. I, I love it. I think it's like, gosh, I'm old enough that I don't have any ego left. So I think it's like, I'm at this point where I'm like, anything that can help me be more productive, I welcome, you know, versus being like, no, no, I've been through all this pain and I finally figured it out. So don't teach me anything new. And yeah. And that's what I love about this time is your ability to be open to learning new things right now is a superpower. And I love how you keep, you, you, you course corrected me in thinking in terms of 10 years versus 10 months or even 10 weeks. Right. And I think, you know, I, I love our chats around, Hey, Alyssa, I'm seeing all these things. What are customers actually saying? And so if I am a, um, I guess I'll, I'll ask you this and then I would love to just kind of hear where you think this is going. But if I'm a computer science student today, is ComSci still what I should be taking? Is and and maybe you can even speak to this a little bit, Linda, because you alluded to this. Is like when I went through, it was a computer science degree, and then it became these boot camps. Yeah. And Emily, who you know, who's amazing on this, you know, was a boot camp too. And then what does that mean in 2023? I st- and we talked a little bit about this with Rodrigo, and I loved his answer around the basics are still important. Yes. So I feel like computer science teaches you the, the basics. And it's hard for me now, after all these decades, to go back to, I didn't know what a loop was right. <laughs> or a Boolean or an intrinsic type. And you know, how does that all fit in, in your opinion? Uh, I'd love to hear yeah. any advice you might have for people who are listening to this and trying to figure out, making sure they're doing, they're optimizing for the best route for success. So I would absolutely echo Rodrigo that it's, it's very important and it will help you immensely if you do understand what's underneath the hood. And if I'm going to relate that back to my own experience is when I was taking classes in AI ML four years ago, I remember my classes were like statistics and probability and all these things Um. that allowed me to understand, like, why is the algorithm giving us what it's giving us? And the thing is today, like, obviously, when you're just in a text prompt, you don't see all that. You don't understand why you are getting what you're getting. You're just seeing like, wow, it just gave me an answer in like three seconds or two seconds. But the, the thing about when you understand how all of it works is it definitely gives you a different lens on it. I mean, even from the sake of, you know, I think the one thing a part of my job is, and it's getting better, but I will say, I touched on this the last time we were in, um, we did our podcast is there's always a little bit of fear around like, well, what's it capable of? What's it going to do? And when you talk about AI and ML, and I think when you understand what's underneath the hood, it eliminates that from the sake of you already know how it works. You understand the boundaries. You understand um, usually just kind of in essence what it's capable of. And that not only that, but it also allows you going back to the whole like 
what do you know to write when you create text prompts is you'll know exactly more so like what you need to ask it in order to get the output that you want. So like, for example, like if I wanted to write like a really accurate, like algorithm, it's not quite giving me what I want. I could go pull back to my days from those classes and be like, okay, like, and I, I could just make up some scenario, um, you know, and give it some statistics or give it some like, hey, based on like X data or, you know, and kind of give it some data to now play with increase the probability it's going to give me like certain outputs. Like there's different ways you can play with it now because you're taking back to like, well, this is actually how I know this all works together. So in essence, you could say that about anything, right? We keep using the house analogy. Like if you know nothing about how to build a house, like you don't it even know where to start. Like, like, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> I think the key thing about that is this is a big piece that's important is think about the safeties and guardrails, right? When you understand all the stuff that should go into a house, you're going to build it to code and proper structure, and it's going to have all the right foundations, and it's not going to violate any codes in the neighborhood. That's the same thing with like an application where it's like when you know all the rules, all the things you should be looking for, you're going to be able to create an application that's secure and it's compliant and it also, you know, it's accessible. Like you're thinking about all the accessibility pieces you need to put in versus if you never got educated on that, you don't know that those are yeah. critical pieces to keep in. So, yeah. So I would echo Rodrigo. You need to know that you should know the basics. It wouldn't yeah. stop you to be able to create a shell of something, but is it going to be all those other pieces? Like it's got to be, that part would be dependent too. And again, this is me with my futuristic thinking is there as we keep moving towards maturing these services, the services will be able to fill in those gaps. And I do believe that. I think that we'll be able to have mature services that can say, oh, you need X, Y, Z for this to be compliant. And it might just build it for you. But um, in the meantime, until we get that sophisticated, it's going to probably, yeah, like you should know the basics of whatever school of thought you're looking to get into for your area of expertise. I completely agree with that, like, especially with the boot camp and comp sci analogy, where I agree, like, I think computer science is very valuable. I think that I'll even say in the context of that, when you go to a boot camp, it's very on the job type thing. It's upskilling you in three months because you're doing projects and you're building and you're doing many things hands on, but you're not always learning theory where I felt like, and a lot of people who go, went to boot camp feel like they go back and learn theory because, and they might self-study. And it's really important because when you're actually in enterprise scale issues in production, you need to try to figure out like and understand why things are happening. And three months was a, is a stepping stone to get into something. And that's why people learn things on the job, right? But that investigation of debugging, no matter what, leads you back to like the why and how it works because otherwise you won't really know how to solve it or why it's happening. And even in the gen AI standpoint, like it's very interesting as we have more code generated by generative AI, how do you debug if you didn't write the code? And that's a whole other thing that, yes, I think there'll also be tools like you were saying that will kind of fix themselves, but maybe they'll still need people who build it or some sort of like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's fascinating, like in that sense and totally agree with what you were saying. I'm just echoing some of it. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I, Linda, I was just on, I'm, I'm on YouTube all the time going through videos and I just was watching an interview with John Carmack, who's one of the creators of Doom. 
uh, last night, and he was talking about the debugger and how it's kind of the lost art in modern app development. Because I was like, yeah, I, I, I would do step into, but in, in Visual Studio, but a lot of times it's just a lot to walk through because code has become so complex. And he was talking about modern day development versus game development of getting that close of everything he would do, even the first time he would run was the from the debugger. And it was line by line of this code is actually executing at what I want. And it, so it, it's funny that you're talking in that way because uh, it's just that that difference of what's actually executing at a machine level versus what we were thinking about. And gosh, even with AI now, right? It comes back to, down to how well we communicated. Right. Uh, which I think is, is important. Well you're kind of, kind of looking at like a manager and you're managing something and you're kind of trying to relay and like your management communication style is not that good. How is your team going to understand, even if it's an AI? So like, right. but yeah, but then there could be also solutions to the communication because they start understanding people's gaps. But anyway, um, uh, I am so happy we got to steal some of your time, Melissa. Uh, I love speaking to you. I know Dave and I both like, we were so excited for this episode. Um, I kind of, you know, want to know, and just to wrap up, like, what are your thoughts, you know, of where we're going and what, what do you think we'll see in the future? And yeah, I will say, I love spending time with you guys. You guys just have the best fun energy. You're so fun and sweet. Thank you for having me. But yeah, so in terms of where we're going and I'm going to give a really accelerated timeline is I think we're going to be seeing some really, really cool developments, even in the just next few months, I would say even by year end. Uh, across the market. And I'll do a plug that I know AWS, we are doing some really cool things in generative AI. Um, it's a really big focus for um, our org. We did a big shift towards it. And for reInvent, um, we are going to be having conversations with customers there. If you guys are, if you're a customer and you're interested, you can reach out to me. Uh, we're happy to meet with you in person. Um, and also in terms of what the services we're developing, we should have some really cool announcements around that time too. So definitely stay tuned for reInvent 2023. Uh, it's going to be a big one for sure. And uh, we hope to see you there. So I'm super excited to see you there. Where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Uh, I would say the best place would just be LinkedIn. So if you just look up my name, Alyssa Lee, uh, just search for Senior Go-To-Market Specialist, um, you'll see my name. Love it. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, it's always great to catch up. And I think it's so important to interlay someone who's day-to-day -day talking to customers about this space versus everything that Linda and I see on a daily basis that comes through our social media feeds about what this could be and kind of bringing it into reality. And I, I know the audience appreciates it. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys too. Yes. I'm happy to come back anytime. You're so fun to hang out with. Linda, say bye. Bye, Alyssa. You're the best. Bear hug. Hugs. Bear hugs. Very virtual hugs. <laughs> All the way from Maui to New York. <laughs>